The Utah Utes secured their first win of the season, defeating the Southern Utah Thunderbirds 73-7. to It was a dominating performance by the Utes, and we're talking all about it on today's episode of Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Thank you for making Lockdown Use your first listen every single day. We do greatly appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKED ON. That's all caps, LOCKED ON, and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So make sure you guys hit up Underdog to get that in on that deal. Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersill, and on today's show, talking about Utah, it was a dominating performance versus the Southern Utah Thunderbirds, and it was a much-needed first win for this team. It was a win we expected them to get, but in that kind of fashion, dominant-wise, I don't think so. So on today's show, we'll be going over the three things, my three biggest takeaways from the game. From there, talk about who deserves a game ball for a really strong performance, and at the end, touching on Florida's loss, just how it affects Utah, because I do think some Utah fans are overreacting to what that loss means for the for the Utes long term. But as I mentioned, just to start out with some general thoughts on this game. Look, I mean, Utah was obviously going to win this game. Southern Utah, in the last two years combined, has two wins. One win each season as they beat St. Thomas in the first game of their season, but we know St. Thomas isn't very good. They don't even do football scholarships, so this is when we knew Utah would win. But to win it in the fashion they did, that was impressive. They scored 73 point, points, which is the most in a game since 1973 when they scored 82 versus Utah. And it's the 16th time the Utes have reached the 50-point mark in the Kyle Whittingham era. The 66-point margin of victory is tied for the 10th largest in program history and the largest since 19. 1994. So the Utes go out, take care of business. The yardage-wise, it was incredible. It was 599 yards, so nearly 600 yards of offense for Utah to 85 total yards as well in terms of passing yards, 352 to 42 rush yards. We were 247 to 43 in Utah's favor. So, yeah, it was just a great performance by the Utes, a much-needed one. The defense looked phenomenal. The offense got off to a slow start in the first first quarter. I saw, thought the offensive line, especially on you saw on those uh, first – couple runs. You had no first play of the game on offense. You have the quick pass to Dalton that worked perfectly, a little nice stop route, but then you see the offensive line struggle a little bit to create, just completely move the Southern Utah Thunderbirds, you know, and for the most part, they took care of business, but it's just all it takes is that one guy to come through and you're like, wait, why doesn't Utah run the ball for five yards every time? Well, it's just because one guy wasn't able to do his job. So from there, they were able to clean it up. Of course, Tavion fumbled. He cleaned that up and especially on I thought Cam was a little just slow out of the gate in terms of his accuracy. And then after that first quarter, I thought he tightened it up and it led to that explosion. That's the first takeaway of this game for me is let's get into it. 38 points scored in the second quarter, an absolutely incredible mark. It's the most by the use in a single quarter since such records were, were began tracking in 1968, previously the most points scored by Utah in the, the second quarter was 35 versus Weber State. That happened during 2013. And Utah also scored 35 points in the first quarter versus BYU, great memory, of course, in 2015. And those 38 points scored were the most for a quarter by any Pac-12 team to date, obviously, this season. And the Utes' 45 first-half points are the third 
most for the program since 1968. But as I mentioned, this game started out, it's seven to seven, and you're kind of like, all right, guys, like, let's get going. And that's exactly what happened in that second quarter. The 38 points, a big part of the reason they were able to do that is they didn't even need third downs. They only reached third down once in the second quarter. That's how efficient the offense was throughout this game. They do a phenomenal job marching down the field. In the second quarter alone, they had 250 yards of total offense to only 29 for Southern Utah. But it was just a balanced attack. You had 67 rushing yards for on only six carries as well, so just very efficient. Every time you gave it to the ground, you got a big run. Of course, Southern Utah, they know this Utah team likes to run the ball first, so they're going to pack the box as they did early on. It's why the first carry for Mekhi Bernard and Tavion Thomas weren't first downs in that first quarter is because of it was such a packed box. And then Utah started to figure their things out, get it rolling from there, which led to their success. And because they got the run game going, as we know with this Utah team, that's when the play-action game, the play fakes, the passes, that's when it really starts to take off. 183 passing yards in the second quarter, 23 for only Southern Utah as well. So you just see the dominance. There were 12 first downs. Once again, only only reached third down once. So it wasn't like they were really in danger of like, oh, are they going to have to punt? No, they were extremely efficient on those 12 first downs as well. They ran 23 plays in total and just showing how quickly – this shows you how quickly they scored. So it was five touchdowns and a field goal in this quarter just – a phenomenal display by the Utes in that second quarter where everything really came together. You can see the offensive line, as I mentioned, really got going. Tavion Thomas displaying the elite vision he has and just the strength. That's what makes him so hard to bring down. I, I think is guys just can't arm tackle him. And even one guy, it's so hard to bring him down. What you'll so often see is one guy gets to him, holds him up, and then someone else comes in and helps finish out the job because it's just that difficult to bring down. And that's where you get to see guys like Chris Curry and Jalen Glover that make this such a complete backfield as well. And we'll touch on more of those guys later. But, I mean, in the second quarter, I think is where really things started to click with Cam, as I mentioned, had 254 yards in the game, three touchdowns, most of that coming in the second quarter, where you saw guys like a Money Parks, Jalen Dixon, Brant Keithy, Devon Bailey all started to get involved more. I mean, think about that final touchdown the Utes had in the second quarter. It was They got the ball with that drive with under 50 seconds left. I believe it was the clock was at 37. And it was like, boom, boom, three quick passes, and they were able to score. And it was great to just see all those other guys get involved, seeing a Devon Bailey catch a couple more deep passes, seeing Money Parks' role grow in the off offense Jalen Dixon as well and then Brant Keithy obviously is we know what he brings to this group but how about Dalton Kincaid in this game I mean you talk about how many yards he had for this Utah team really contributing with 107 yards seven catches the seven catches a career high the 107 yards the most he's had during his time with the Utes had more than that before in a game with San Diego State so just every, the play calling I thought was sharper in the second quarter everything came together and we knew this was a lopsided talent matchup but it was still impressive to see just how quickly Utah was able to score and it's what allowed the second team offense to not even have to go out the first team offense to not even have to go out there in in the second half is because of how efficient they were led by cam all the things they were able to execute on and do and i think that's what coach winningham was excited to see is how this group you know had some adversity early we talked about it, right you retired seven to seven after the first quarter like against these guys what are you doing and that's the kind of response you want to see of course utah is going to win this game big they do that against fcs opponents we know that but to win by this margin and rip off that points. I mean, there were people tweeting out that the, I believe Utah 
Utah was favored by, it was 45 points Utah was favored by. They're like, that's in jeopardy after the first because it's seven to seven. And then you see this Utah team really take off, hitting on all cylinders. This is the kind of offense you want to see where everybody eats, and that is exactly what happened. So great performance by the Utes in that second quarter that allowed them to rest their starters and make sure guys didn't even get hurt. We were sitting up in the press box wondering, hey, is Cam even going to come out? And he did come out dressed and like in for a first series because we didn't know. And what happens? He comes out with the yellow penny on with the headset on because you know he's ready to basically him and Bryson are switching roles because that's what Bryson normally does. He sends the signals in and that's what Cam started to do as well. So a great performance by the first team offense, especially in that second quarter. And nice to see them respond to some adversity as well and build some nice momentum for them as a unit going into the San Diego State game. And speaking of building some momentum, how about that defense? And we're going to talk about them in just a second. But first, want to tell you guys a little bit more about underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy is the easiest place to win money while watching college football. It's their pick'em game for college football is perfect for you guys. Just look for your favorite team, being the Utes or whatever other group teams you feel confident about this game. Get in on that. Look at the stats and pick whether you think they'll end up higher or lower in that number than this week. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog, underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile app. Pick between two and five players for your pick em slip. Get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. So I think Cam Rising is going to throw for 300 yards, and they only think he's going to get 250. Make sure you guys go higher there. I think Tavion Thomas is going to have a big day on the ground and go over 150 yards rushing. Make sure you go higher there. So make sure you guys keep it look, locked in to Underdog to get in all those odds for not just Utah games, but other games as well, as we know there are lots of great players across the college football landscape and lots of great players capable of going off so download the app and sign up with the promo code locked on that's locked on all caps and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 so the deposit 100 get up to a free 100 that's underdog fantasy and once again promo code locked on all caps so getting back to this game and what we saw from this utah team in this contest. Something that was really fun to see is we heard all week going into it that the Utah defense was really challenged, that Coach Winningham wanted a response from this group, expected them to come out there and get after it, and yeah, that's exactly what they did. The Utes only allowed four first downs, one rush, two pass, one via the penalty, that one coming off the the JT Broughton early one that we had. Um, It was the fourth fewest in a game in program history, those four first downs, and the fewest since 2018 when they only allowed three versus Weber State. You saw Utah also only allowed just 85 total yards of offense, the sixth fewest for a game in program history, and the lowest since California was held, Sir Cal, was held to 83 yards in 2019. Utah combined for seven tackles for loss on the day, the first such performance since November 26, 2021 versus Colorado. Also nice to see Utah keep their consecutive seasons with a pick six going as R.J. Hubert took the the first team offense we mentioned. They were done by the end of the first half. But the first team defense did get trotted out there as Southern Utah did win the toss. And they elected to defer, so they got the ball first. So Coach Witt sent the first team defense out there one last time. And we saw R.J. Hubert right away. He recorded his first career interception. And it was also a pick six going for 39 
yards. And like I mentioned, extended that Utah seat. So it's 19 consecutive seasons with the pick six dating back to 2004. It's long active streak in the FBS. So an incredible accomplishment for this team. It just shows you the kind of depth just shows there's a little bit of luck involved in that. Sure. Cause you never know what kind of throws quarterbacks going to make, but it also correlates to the success of a strong secondary. And that's what this Utah team has this year. And it's had for a long time now. It's why they've put out a lot of quality players into the NFL and year in and year out have been among the best in the pac 12. And it's a stat as well that um, Sammy Mora of Ute zone and someone we have on the show frequently asked coach Whittingham about what he thought about the streak. And he didn't even know about it. He could kind of tell he was kind of taken aback and like, Oh, that is impressive because as I mentioned, it does just show you year out and year in and year out the commitment to excellence. This Utah defense has. And that's what we saw from this Utah team. Once again, Southern Utah didn't even get over hundred yards of total offense. They only had 85. They had, 42 passing yards and rushing yards, 43. So couldn't even get 50 yards on either side there. Really struggled on the first down department. The first down chart was actually, so Utah on offense for the game had 31 first downs. It was only four for Southern Utah. So absolute domination in that regard. And yeah, this is just a complete performance by this Utah defense. When you're looking at it, the defensive line, they won their one-on-one matchups. They weren't running lanes. And I think the biggest improvement from last week was the linebacker play. The very first offensive play of the game, Mo Diab- it's a counter left. So Mo Diabate comes down, fills the hole. They're pulling the center. So the center comes out and he meets him right in the hole, stones him. And not only that, also makes the tackle on the running back trying to come around as well. And then after the JT Broughton intercept uh, pass interference that I mentioned, that just the next play later, he's coming down again and absolutely obliterates the running back. So I thought this was an awesome rebound game for Mo Diabate, who for this Utah team as well was right up there in terms of the top of the tackle group. He was tied. Him and Broughton and Barton were all tied with four. And then Connor O'Toole actually led the team with five. And we'll talk a little bit more about O'Toole in a second, but Lander Barton was flying around on the field. He had his first career sack as well in a big scramble play. And this Utah defense, they were just everywhere. You saw Junior Tafuna on the one. Once again, he got instant pressure early in the game. And then we saw the fantastic interception he had showing off that elite linebacker ability because he used to play linebacker in high school. Coach Whittingham talked to talked with us about that, that saying that, hey, he's just an incredible athlete. We know how big of a guy he is, but he can move extremely well. And there are very few defensive tackles in the country who could have made the play on that interception that he did because Junior's momentum was carrying him away from the ball. So for him to come over, be able to read and react that quickly is just incredible. Obviously, we know Utah was locked down on the secondary as well. All the credit in the world to that group led by Clark Phillips. You can see Cole Bishop coming down, making plays as well at the safety spot. And yeah, this Utah defense just was outstanding. They obviously had the advantage, but they took that challenge and went like, hey, we want to be better than last week. We want to go out there and make a statement. We want to take out our frustrations on these guys. And that's exactly what they did to the detriment of the Thunderbirds and what was a do- as dominant defensive performance as you're going to see. And you could tell this is a Utah team that was mad about how things played out and they wanted to let everyone know about it. And that's exactly what they did. So props to this unit for coming down, for coming down in the game and just being ready to go attacking it and being relentless all game long. It was something that was so great to see, especially from the first team defense. And that was my big second takeaway was just how dominant the defense was. But my third takeaway is just in terms of offense and defense, how strong the second team defense and offense were for this Utah team, and even the third string as well, because we talked about this Utah team, you know, 45 to seven lead going into the half. 
and yet the game ended 73 to seven. So the second and third string guys you're putting in there, they didn't give up any ground either. They were outstanding as well, which was something that was really cool to see when you're talking about, let's, let's focus on offense first. So Bryson Barnes comes in and he shows exactly why he's quarterback too. displays the accuracy going six for six, 98 yards. How about the beautiful pass he had to Thomas Yasmin, the Utah's, Utah's third string tight end right over the middle. I mean, Yasmin technically a guy with how much Utah uses multiple tight ends. We know he sees see him play with the ones as well, but still his first touchdown with the team. And I'll tell you this as well. There was very you the Utah guys always support each other and get up for each other on every touchdown. There was a special elation amongst that group when Yasmin scored. It was really cool to watch everyone come together and come around him. And it shows you for a guy like him, like you can tell all just the dirty work he does for this team and how much his teammates appreciate that because they were so excited to see him get his first touchdown. Speaking of first touchdowns, how about Chris Curry and Jalen Glover? Glover had 53 yards in this game, two touchdowns. Curry had 60 yards, one touchdown. All three, all three of those touchdowns for the Utes coming on the ground. And those were ones for Curry, his first touchdown as the Ute I mentioned. Glover, same thing as well. And Curry's a guy who a lot of guys in his position coming into the season, they probably transferred. They're the third or fourth guy on the running back depth chart. But Curry just stayed with the team, and he's been rewarded the past two games because we know he got a bunch of carries versus Florida as well. And Glover's a guy who I'm sure it was a little bit frustrating to go down to Florida, your home state, and not even get one opportunity to carry the ball. And he showed in this game just why everyone is so excited about him is the future. I mean, he's just, he is the future running back of this Utah program. And I think he's going to be the future star of this Utah program as well. Just showing off the shiftiness, his ability to carry the ball and to see those gaps break out of tackles, the speed, the explosiveness, everything you want to see in a running back Jalen Glover has also had an opportunity to meet his family as well. Wonderful people. Same thing with Nate Johnson's family. Great seeing them at the game as well. That was one of the things that was so great about being asked Rice Eccles once again, is just being together in that environment with that Utah football community, which is one of the strongest bonds you will see amongst a fan base in the country. And it's one the players come in you and you can tell parents are excited to go and watch their kids play in these atmosphere because they know how much support and love they have from the fan base. So it was really cool to see that as well. But once again, great to see Curry and Glover as well. And, you know, I mentioned Bryson Barnes, but how about as well Jaquindon Jackson coming in? His very first carry of the game is a, he just takes it on the read option and just shows what makes him such an incredible athlete. And it's why Utah had a goal line package for him early last season. And with how good Cam is, it makes sense that we're not going to see that as much this season. But I mean, he had two carries for 29 yards and that second carry didn't go for anything. It was all that yardage came on his first carry that went for 28 yards where you could tell it's just like, how do you tackle that guy in the open field? And it's one of the things that makes him such an impressive player is just that shiftiness and why it was a quarterback battle for so long because him and Bryson do very different things, but they do them both very effectively. Bryson in terms of his accuracy and Jaquindon in terms of his athleticism. Also thought the second team offensive line led by a guy like Jaron Comp and Falcon Kalmatule were extremely strong. And it's what led to all these guys having productive performances. Why Barnes had time in the pocket, why Glover and Curry had running lanes was because the offensive line Coach Witt had talked about, and we've heard Coach Harding and Coach Ludwig mentioned as well, how hard it was to settle on a group of guys because there's so many good players. And this is the kind of game you see that because there really wasn't much of a drop-off from the first to the second team offensive line. They were outstanding. They were working well in sync. The chemistry was on full display. I was extremely impressed by them and thought they really took care of business up front and gave these all these players opportunities to shine. And speaking of opportunities to shine, I talked about it a little bit, but once again, just Money Parks is a guy who didn't see – a lot of opportunities, obviously, last week. And then he responded this week with three catches for 71 yards. Same thing for Jalen Dixon. So just great to see. Even Makai Coke got, got his first catch of the season. So great to see these other receivers contributing for this Utah team. 
and I'll say that as well, when you look at the defense, you look at a guy like Connor O'Toole, who is technically a starter in terms of how much he rotates in. He's not a first string defensive end, but I mean, how about O'Toole leading his team in tackles, five total tackles, two solo, one sack, a half a sack and a QB hurry as well. And there were a couple of times where you could see Southern Utah was trying to execute the read option. They're trying to read O'Toole. O'Toole, that was something he struggled with a little bit the week before, but obviously a different kind of quarterback you're trying to bring down and Anthony Richardson versus what Southern Utah brought to the table. So cool to see O'Toole capitalizing on those opportunities. But you look at a guy as well as Hayden Fury, just the defensive line. I thought those guys, Peppa really getting after it and Calvert, all dudes, all over the place, this Utah defense stayed locked in, and these guys were excited to get the opportunity, and they ran with it. And they, you could tell they took pride in, like, hey, let's let's keep this going. Let's keep this three-quarters shutout going, because obviously you had the seven points early on. And I, I should have mentioned this during my de- talking about the defense, but that seven points wasn't even on the, the first-team defense to me in a way because it was just the perfect play call the offense had for the the defense what they want to do you know utah drop drew up a blitz there so you have both inside linebackers coming on a blitz to the outside and what's the worst nightmare for that is a quarterback draw right up the middle and that's exactly what southern utah ran so that was just a poor circumstances to me just where the players were put in no position to succeed because of that play calling and i don't think it was a bad play call by coach scally i think it's just bad luck in that situation where this just lined up and that just lined up so just one of those things where once again the defense was outstanding there was no drop off to me from that first team to the second team defense. And look, when you win a game 73 to seven, there's a lot of game balls you're going to have to give out. And that's what we're going to do in just a second. But first want to talk to you guys about LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs is the easiest way to help you guys get connected to a great network of people. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Guys, I network all the time on LinkedIn trying to get connected with people in the business. A ton of my friends are on the business. and I know from being one of those people as well as seeing different opportunities and how success has worked out for other businesses. There are tons of great candidates on LinkedIn, people who are motivated, updating their resume, and ready to get after it. So if you guys are looking for great candidates, make sure you head over to LinkedIn Jobs. You can create a free job post in minutes to reach your network beyond and beyond in the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know nearly every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. College to post your free to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. So game balls. There were a ton of game balls we had to give out, obviously, for last week's game when Utah took on Florida because you had so many good performance on offenses. But that's what's fun about this one is there's so many good performances on both sides of the ball. And since we were so offense heavy last time, let's start on defense. The first one going to Connor O'Toole, I already mentioned, leading this team in tackles with five, extremely impressive. I don't think anyone had Connor O'Toole leading this team in tackles in any game of the season on their bingo card. So tons of credit in the word world to O'Toole 
for a dominant and complete game. Also, speaking of dominant, how about Utah's linebacker core? Karene Reed, Modiabate, Lander Barton. I already mentioned they all had their up and ups and downs in that first game versus Florida. And for the most part, there's more downs than ups. But this one, thought that group was outstanding, set the tone early, and were flying around and making the plays you'd love to see. Uh, Karene Reed probably would have gotten his own shout out if he had, instead of batting that ball away, been able to pick it off. You can see he's frustrated himself. And I think he's going to get another opportunity this year, that being Karene Reed, to return an interception to the house. He does such a good job patrolling the middle of that Utah defense, especially in zone coverage. So, yeah, I mean, and everyone on the Utah defense could get a game ball, honestly. I mean, how about Junior Tafuna? I thought his interception was the play of the game, so you can give him a game ball as well. Guys like Chris Curry, Jalen Glover going for career rushing highs with this Utah team as well as scoring their first touchdowns. And how about a guy like Money Parks, too, able to get in and do some nice things for this Utah team. So, Tons of guys you could give game balls to. And there's, in fact, there's one one I almost almost forgot about, which would have been inexcusable. And it's obviously Dalton Kincaid. We already talked about it. 107 yards, two touchdowns, seven catches, and just coming up clutch all day and showing why in the end, you know, there was a lot of talk about Devon being Cam's number one target. It's still the tight ends. And how can it not be when you have guys that talented? And it's something Coach Whittingham talked about postgame. He said Dalton might be the most athletic player on this team. It was pretty evident on that hurdle as well as we saw him go sky high on the second catch of the game. So just great to see Dalton show off what makes him such an incredible tight end in terms of that athleticism. See the route running, the strong hands on display. He had that one incredible catch down the sideline. And there's a reason this dude earned a combine invite last year. So we need to put some respect on his game. I know he didn't have the game we expected versus Florida, but then going from here is where he'll start to break out. He broke out last year against an FCS opponent, Weber State, and we saw what the results yielded from there. I think it's going to be the same thing for him going forward. So lots of game balls to give about when you win by that much, and would love to be doing the same thing when Utah hopefully not knocks off San Diego State next weekend. But final thing I want to talk about on today's show is, look, Florida lost to Kentucky. The Florida jumped up all the way to the number 12th ranked team, and then they lost to the 20th ranked team, 20th ranked team, excuse me, to Kentucky 26 to 16 in the swamp. So first of all, no, of course it's not a great look for Utah whenever another ranked team is going to go in there and get the, get a win, but circumstances absolutely matter. I think everyone understands when let's jump to the end of the season, when this, when that we're going to look back on that Florida loss, when it's really going to matter. Cause who cares what the AP rankings are at the end of the day, as we talked about, it's something fun to talk about and see, cause it still matters in terms of like, Hey, where, where do the teams rank amongst the best? You see it on TV broadcasts to look for, for the March marquee matchup. So it's not like these things have zero value, but in terms of importance, we know at the end of the day, the college football committee, they're doing their own rankings. So when that comes around and the committee is evaluating Utah's loss to Florida. I don't think they'll look at it. Now, look, Florida can't lose every home game, obviously, and we want them to have a winning record at home. And it'd be nice if they at most lost two games at home. But I do think people are going to look at it and understand, like, hey, it's really hard to go across the country and win a road game like that, especially in extremely different climate. August, Florida weather, I think those are all things that people are going to take into account. And especially by the time the committee is evaluating all this stuff, if Utah's in that place or even just in general, because we're not even excluding college football playoff talk, which this Utah team is still alive for because they only have one loss, just trying to get into a high bowl game. That's one of those losses you look at and be like, okay, well, look at the team they've become since that game. It's obviously a lot better. And once again, if you're ranking the most difficult circumstances to play in any stadium in college football, I think the heat that Utah experienced in the swamp in the first game of a new head coach's tenure with a fantastic crowd on hand because of all that energy and excitement 
all the buildup going into it, the motivation, I, I really think that's a loss. You'll be like, yeah, you still, it's still a loss, but it's not a bad loss because it's really hard to go beat Florida in the swamp. And this is a Florida team that can look, they're going to lose a couple games, but they're going to beat a lot of people as well. So yes, it's not a great look that Kentucky went in there and beat them, but give Will Levitt's and this Kentucky team credit. I mean, coach Stoops for Kentucky just became their all time winningest coach. So this is a really good Kentucky team as well. And now it'd be interesting to see what this Kentucky team goes on and does, because that's how we'll view this Florida team in a way as well. But the sky is not falling for Utah because Florida lost this one, because at the end of the day, when we're looking at all this stuff and it'll really matter anyway, this Utah team will be a completely different team. And once again, I think this Florida team will be fine. They had a bad offensive game plan. This one, Anthony Richardson got a little tweaked up earlier in the game, and I, I think he'll be fine going forward as well. So I still expect this Florida team to get some quality wins on the season. And look, they were in this game as well, just got away from late. So I think they're going to be fine, and I think Utah is going to be in a fine position still losing to Florida because, look, they're going to drop a couple games, but it's really hard to play in the swamp and win there. And also, one thing that was very impressive this weekend for the Pac-12 was how about Washington State going into Wisconsin and getting a monumental win. And if you guys want to hear more about that game and as well as coverage for the rest of the Pac-12 as a conference, you guys need to go check out Locked on Pac-12 and make it your second listen every day. Host Spencer McLaughlin covers all the schools, all the biggest games, all the matchups, has phenomenal guests as well sometimes being myself at times, <laughs> and just in general, does a fantastic job covering it. So make sure you guys check out Locked on Pack 12 Make it your second listen every day because we do appreciate you making this show your first listen every day. And if you want to interact more, make sure you guys go over to Locked on Utes on Twitter. Give us a follow at the show, at me on Twitter as well, at JT Wister Sale. And before I would, before we leave, would be reminisced if I did not give you guys a huge thank you for helping us to reach 400 subscribers on YouTube. Greatly appreciate that. Your guys' support means everything to me and this channel. So thank you guys so much. And look forward to bringing you guys great coverage this rest of the week as we'll be talking about on tomorrow's show. We'll be talking about what Coach Whittingham said in his Monday press conference, which you always get more from a coach Monday because, yes, he, he was obviously open to talking about everything, but talk about some of the things after watching the film, more time to digest it, get even more insight. We'll hear from the offense as well what, they, what their expectations are, especially going into a huge game, San Diego State, where Utah's season kind of turned in a way last year. So fun game coming up this Friday. But that's going to do it on today's edition of Locked on Utes, and we'll see you tomorrow.